MRAP snack. Just to, to point out one difference between Tomahawk and the COAC study that you mentioned before, the COAC study only looked at patients that had shockable rhythms. The Tomahawk included both shockable and non-shockable. Now, you would expect the patients that have shockable rhythms are more likely to have acute coronary occlusions, and so we are really disappointed that the COAC study did not find a benefit. That, of course, is the voice of Dr. Amal Matu, and we are talking about the post-ROSC cat. In those patients who do not have a STEMI pattern on their ECG, who should be going to cath, or should any of these patients be going to cath early? And that's really the tricky part here, early versus a delayed catheterization. We talked about the COAC study back in October 2019. COAC trial found that there was no benefit of early catheterization versus delayed catheterization in those without a STEMI pattern on that post-ROSC ECG. Since then, we've had a couple of additional studies that have been published Tomahawk was published back in 2021 in the New England Journal of Medicine, and more recently in June of this year, we had the EMERGE study. And with all of that data, we've got to have a little bit of an update, which is why I'm here with Amal to get into that topic. What does this data tell us? Let's start with the Tomahawk study. Again, New England Journal of Medicine, 2021. Tomahawk comes along, they include both groups, and no surprise, there really was no significant difference. In terms of the primary endpoint of death at 30 days in the Tomahawk study, they found that there was a 54% mortality in the people that went for cath right away, 46% mortality in the patients that had a delayed time to cath. And there is also even a trend towards a worse outcome in this composite group of death or severe neurologic deficit. And so it just provided further support to the idea that these patients without ST elevation on their post-ROSC EKG, they really should not be automatically or routinely being sent for cath. Instead, we should be really just focusing on good resuscitation and then maybe consider cath a day or two days later if they are still alive. Emerge. All right, before we get to exactly how this changes everything we do, let's talk about that Emerge study, the one that just came out in June. Emergency versus delayed coronary angiogram in survivors of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest results of the randomized multi-center eMERGE trial. This was published in JAMA in June 2022. And once again, this was a multi-center study, 22 French centers. They enrolled about 280 patients and randomized them to early versus delayed catheterization. The early group was within 48 hours of ROSC. The delayed group was up to 96 hours after ROSC. And the primary outcome here was 180-day survival with good neurologic outcome, CPC of two or less. Amal, what did this group find? And again, what does it add to what we know? Unfortunately, it didn't give us the results that we were hoping. So once again, this eMERGE study, just like the Tomahawk, enrolled patients both with shockable and non-shockable rhythms. In fact, the majority of these patients had non-shockable rhythms. And these are also patients that did not have obvious non-cardiac causes of cardiac arrest, and they had non-STEMI. First thing I would say is actually this study was underpowered, and, and that kind of is a, a big limitation of this study. They calculated before the study that they were going to need about 678 patients, and they only ended up enrolling about 280, and they ended up having to terminate early because of some funding issues. So they themselves admit that it was underpowered, but they ended up finding very similar results to the COACT and the TAMAC study. In terms of the primary outcome of 180-day survival with good neurologic outcome, they found that the patients who emergently went for cath had about a 34% survival. The patients that had the delayed cath 
ended up having about a 31% survival, and there was no significant difference. And then when they looked at the secondary outcomes, again, there was no significant difference between the groups. Now, you had talked about the difference in early cath versus delayed cath. In reality, the average time from out-of-hospital cardiac arrest to going to cath in the immediate group was, on average, about two hours. So they moved pretty quickly with these patients. And then in the delayed group, it was about 65 hours. So we can't attribute it to saying, well, the immediate cath group was actually 36 hours. No, they, they went pretty quickly within two hours. And the bottom line, again, was that there is no significant difference in terms of either the primary or the secondary outcomes in this study. And it just provides further support to the Tomahawk study and also the COAC study that these patients are probably not going to benefit by routinely being sent for cath if they don't have ST elevation on their post-resuscitation EKG. Um, well, I think one of the things you point out in there that's really important is what early meant. Because I think if you just read the article, it says up to 48 hours, and a lot of people are going to have trouble with that. They really did go very quickly. And I think across these three studies, they went pretty fast in the fast group. The group that was going immediately, it was pretty immediate. And across these three studies, we've got about 1,400 patients total saying there's not much of a benefit. Now, there are little nuances. There's differences between the study, the shockable versus non-shockable. The non-shockable group, like you said up front, I think we, we knew that group was unlikely to have a benefit, especially if they didn't have ST elevations. The shockable group was the one that we were more keyed in on, but regardless of which one, there was no real benefit found across these three studies. And I, you mentioned it a couple of times, but where do we stand right now? I've got a patient who comes in out of hospital cardiac arrest. They have a shockable rhythm. I shock them. I get them back. I look at that ECG and there's no STEMI pattern on that ECG. Are you calling cardiology? Are you activating the cath lab? What's your next step when you have that patient in front of you? Based on these three recent studies, I would say at most... I'm calling cardiology and just discussing the case, but I'm, I'm not pushing the way maybe we did a number of years ago. And we talked about this before on EMRF. Way back in 2015, there was a wonderful article that was published in Journal of American College of Cardiology by their interventional council. And the first author was RAB, R-A-B. And they looked at all of this literature, which at the time was primarily just retrospective literature. And they suggested that even these post-arrest non-STEMI patients may benefit in many cases, but that was all really based on non-randomized studies and just retrospective data. Now we've got three pretty good studies that are randomized prospective studies, which really do not suggest that there is an improvement. So I think what we're doing now, we're, we're changing our protocols, whereby if patients don't have ST segment elevation, we're not pushing for the cath. And at most, we're just touching base with cardiology. Now, I will mention this, and this is an important thing. The, the story's not finished yet. And there are smaller studies. Hopefully, they'll be bigger in the future. But there are studies that are trying to identify maybe there are some subgroups who will experience benefit by going to the cath lab early. And in this article, they talk about some studies that are suggesting that maybe younger patients, maybe patients with shorter resuscitation length of time, for example, if you get their pulses back within 20 minutes, maybe patients with initial shockable rhythms or with the minimal necessity for early dosing of epinephrine. Maybe those are subgroups that are going to benefit by going to the cath lab right away. So I would say that this isn't a complete roadblock to the idea of sending patients to the cath lab. I would say that routinely there's no benefit, but we still have more work to do to try to figure out, you know, maybe there are some subgroups 
that will benefit. But routinely, I would say at this point, the answer is no. If they don't have ST elevation on the post-resuscitation EKG, I think it's worth talking to the cardiologist, but it's not worth pushing any longer. And instead, I think really the new thought is that we should really focus on good resuscitation because when you send patients to the cath lab, remember, what do the cardiologists do up in the cath lab? All they're doing is focusing on the cath. They're not doing any other type of resuscitation. And so cath may actually be delaying proper implementation of good resuscitation. And so for a lot of these patients, it kind of makes sense. They're, they're probably going to be worse off by going for cath. What we should really focus on with those post-ROSC patients where they don't have the ST elevations is really on that resuscitation. Maybe your first call should be to your intensivist as opposed to that first call being to your cardiologist to make sure that not only does the patient have proper resuscitation in the emergency department, but that they have continued aggressive resuscitation once they get admitted to the hospital, once they go to the ICU, and then to figure out what the next steps are, whether we need to go to CAT scan to look for a pulmonary embolism. There's some more recent literature on getting that head CT because many of these patients have bleeds. So there's a lot of other things that we should be focused on rather than pushing the patient to cath. Although let's be honest, Amal, it was really nice back in 2015 when we just pushed all these patients to cath because we kind of wiped our hands of them and we were done. The patient was, was off on their own. And this really focuses us on doing the rest of our job, which is that continued resuscitation in the immediate phase. Absolutely. We got to do the right thing for the patients. And this literature is saying that pushing them off to the cath lab and washing our hands is probably not the right thing. Um, well, one thing that I experienced recently was I had a patient with an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, shockable rhythm. We shocked him out of V-fib, and that first ECG clearly had ST elevations on it. Called cardiology. They said, can you repeat the EKG in five more minutes? I said, well, but we've already got a STEMI. But, you know, he's like, well, I'm on my way down. Just do it one more time on my way down. And we get the second ECG, no ST elevations. Is this a frequent finding? And if so, when should we be getting that post-ROSC EKG? We have data indicating that the Initial EKG after resuscitation often does not appropriately convey what's going on within the coronaries. After patients get shocks, and definitely after patients get doses of epinephrine, there can be significant ST segment ischemic-looking changes that can persist for 5, 10, anecdotally, I would say even 20 or 30 minutes at a time. Now, there's some literature that says that small data, which says that we should routinely be rechecking the EKG after maybe about 10 minutes and use the 10-minute post-resuscitation EKG as the real EKG to figure out whether they should go to cath or not. My experience actually has been that you can get persistent, ugly ST segment changes that persist 20 or 30 minutes after the last dose of epi or after the last shock. And then 20 or 30 minutes later, they, they just go away. And so I, I'm a big believer in this concept of repeating the EKG maybe at about the 20-minute mark after you get the pulses back. And that's the EKG that I like to use to decide, do they have ST elevation, go for cath, or do they not have ST segment elevation, I'm not going to push for cath. I think in those situations, it's reasonable if you get that immediate ECG, it shows ST elevations, it looks ugly, to call your cardiologist. But don't be surprised if they say, let's get another one in five to 10 minutes, and then we'll make a decision about where we're going to go next. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind that, uh, again, there's good pre-hospital data and in the ED literature saying that that first EKG sometimes can look really, really bad, and it's not an accurate reflection of what's actually going on. We talked about how some of the subsequent studies that are going to be coming out might give us some subgroup data that tells us this subgroup could benefit, this subgroup could benefit. 
if I get that post ROSC ECG, there's not ST elevations on it. Are there other things you're looking at that ECG and saying, I know it's not a STEMI, but I'm pretty sure that this person has a coronary issue and they need to go for cath and you're going to push a little bit harder? I think I'm probably not going to push harder based on the EKG in that scenario you've painted, but I might do so based on the history. For example, if the patient has a lot of cardiac risk factors, very short downtime, they're young, maybe the family member is saying that they've been clutching their chest all day or complaining of chest pain all day. Maybe they were out for a run and that's when it happened. Those are things in the history that if you can get a good history, those are the things that would make me push for sending that patient to the cath, even with an unremarkable EKG. Those are the main things. I, I think if the EKG is completely unremarkable and the history is equally unremarkable, I'm probably not going to push. But just like you said before, I think it's worth thinking about PE and consider scanning the chest. It's also worth considering the head and considering scanning the head. Summary. When we look at all this data, Amal, Tomahawk, Emerge, Coact, what it tells us, if the patient does not have an ST elevation pattern on their post-ROSC EKG, you don't need to push them towards cath. And in fact, we should be more focused on trying to both resuscitate the patient and figure out what the underlying issue is that caused that cardiac arrest. Thinking about things like you said, pulmonary embolism, the bleed in the head, aortic dissection. Could this have just been a patient who was septic and had a cardiac arrest? We really have to focus on that good resuscitation, getting as much history, really support what we're going to do for that patient, where they need to go. But it doesn't seem that cath is the right destination. In fact, the right destination really is resuscitation in the emergency department and continued resuscitation in the ICU while considering all of those different causes that could be the issue that caused the person to go into this cardiac arrest. Amal, thanks for reviewing all of these articles. I think this is a good update, kind of catches us up. In a couple of years, we're probably going to have some more data on the same topic, and we'll bring it back and we'll talk about it then. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Swami. 